Good morning, sunshine. Welcome back to the Peace, Love, and Applesauce podcast. My name is Juan Cocho, San Cocho, Juan Papi Shampoo. My name is Abby. And I only heard that somewhere else, and I'm jealous someone didn't call me that to begin with. So, really? Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's why I had to do it today, impulsively. Yeah. Okay, good. But anyway, we are back with the finale of the Self-Sabotage series. Yeah. So I finally finished the book after months of reading it because of my strict, like, Two pages, maybe a couple paragraphs a day schedule. Um, I binge read the book in one afternoon. I asked Abby to read like four pages the other day. Actually, no, like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, hey, we're going to talk about this tonight. Can you check over this part? And then she's like, all right, already read that part. Um, I see why this, that, and the third. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I was like, you you should just read the whole book. Not thinking like, oh, get it done. Mm -hmm. She's like, I probably will by the end of the day. And I'm like... And I did. I read the book. Absolutely. So she has a lot more of a deeper understanding this time <laughs> compared to what I do because my retention rate is not that great. So I only really am going to reference the way the book wrapped it up. And um, beforehand, I think we were just kind of identifying like what self-sabotage was, kind of the idea of what it meant, but like we got into the meat and potatoes today. Yeah. Like, the second half of the book is so different from the first half. Yeah. And I know it's a book, and I know all books are like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean in terms of like the first half of the book was very much referencing like building the fundamentals of being able to get to really what self-sabotage mm -hmm. is and comes from. At least based off of like what... My man Gary wrote. My man Gary John Bishop. So, basically just cutting to... We're starting with chapter 7. This is like... Yeah, this, this is where it starts to like identify stuff. Yeah. So, he had... He had... I don't want to say found. Yeah. But he had stated that there are three saboteurs and... What he defines as a saboteur is a subconscious conclusion that you made at a definitive point of your life, the kind of indelible mark that stays with you to this day. It will remain with you until the day you die. Then he says you are guided by three conclusions and your actions are always in alignment with them. And those three are the conclusion you have for yourself, the conclusion you have for others, and the conclusion you have for life. Now... Let's start with the conclusions we have about ourselves. Now, in the book, he references on page 122, if everybody would pull out their textbook, please. <laughs> Classes in session. He classifies, like, yourself conclusions as the times. He says, your conclusions about yourself always begins with an I, it's stuff like this. I'm not smart enough. I'm a loser. I'm different. I don't matter. I'm incapable. I'm not loved. Or even all the way down the hole to I'm worthless. So he's calling you out. Mm -hmm. If you have thought or said these things about yourself. And if you're human like the rest of us, you probably have at some point. There's no way you've gone through life and lived a perfect life and haven't had some sort of self-sabotaging, self-deprecating thoughts, like, is life. So I had written, like, four different things, but I'd struggled to 
boil it down to just one conclusion of myself, which I don't think he's necessarily asking for one. He might be. I could just be interpreting it wrong. But what mine boiled down to was that, like, my conclusion is that I'm inadequate. So I attribute that to, like, base. I base it off of my ability to provide something. Mm-hmm. And it actually ties in more to the conclusion I've made for others. But we'll get to that later. Um, I base my inadequacy off of my ability to provide, whether it's for you, Jewel, or provide something as far as like what I can give at work in terms of knowledge, skill, all that stuff. So, yeah, that's just, that's all I was able to get to. Mm -hmm. I didn't really get to sit with it because like I wrote some little blips of notes i was actually gonna ask if you knew what that stemmed from and the only reason that it's popping in my head is because in the book um he says that like your mom your friends or whatever could tell you that you're smart all the time Mm -hmm. but treat you as if you're not Mm -hmm. and that maybe might be the cause of something like that like i mean we have discovered and discussed that i have achievement issues mm -hmm. so like I base a lot of my worth and value to money and what I can gain from it, but not in the sense of like to have stuff. It's to be able to provide and to take care. So like, yeah, maybe it's like, of course that comes from seeing, you know, everyone in my family and all like majority of my friends around me struggle and like comparing struggles. And like, we all joke about it now because I mean, it is funny and it's a good way to deal with it, but Mm -hmm. I'm diving too much into the conclusions for others. I don't want to get there yet. Yeah, but, but maybe um, maybe achievement me. as an adult is providing. Like, as a dad, like, maybe that's what you think that achievement is. Yeah, but then again, I also never feel, like, properly fulfilled with it. Mm-hmm. Because even if I show up and I'm like, all right, we got money, we can go do this, we have this fun time, it's immediately gone after that or like i don't get a certain reaction that i expected out of somebody Mm -hmm. and then that definitely you know doesn't make you feel good Mm -hmm. so then i'm like dang it i did it again yeah gotta do better keep doing better Mm -hmm. someone will recognize you for it eventually yeah yeah that's poopy dude. We'll sit on this for a little bit longer. Yeah, that's fine. Um, for me, I would choose the same wording. My conclusion about myself is that I'm inadequate or I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, in my case, when I was reading this, a specific memory came up for me that I think helped shape my conclusion about myself because I was young enough to still be developing it. But... Basically, when I was in seventh grade, it was one of the hardest years of my life because I was doing really poorly both academically and socially. And then I also had like a pretty rough like at home life at the same time. So just the culmination of all of those things was just like probably the worst that I've ever felt as a human being. Mm -hmm. So on my birthday in seventh grade, you're like, what, 14 years old at that point? 14. Yeah. So, you know, the emotions and everything, very high, dramatic, whatever. 
I normally sat with this like regular group of girls that I cheered with and it was like a small group of us and for my birthday for whatever reason I didn't sit with them I went and sat with another group of cheerleader friends that just sat elsewhere Mm-hmm. And the girls that I normally sat with had gotten me a gift. And obviously I had no way of knowing that. So they came up to me during lunch and threw the lunchbox that they got for me at me. And it was one of those uh, Vera Bradley lunchboxes that was like popular at the time that I don't know if it was popular at no, your school. No one had Vera Bradley <laughs> at my school. Okay. So at my school... It was trendy to have a Vera Bradley lunchbox, and it was this very, like, specific shape. Mm-hmm. It had, like, Velcro on the front, I think. It was a very specific thing. And so they had gotten me one, and when I didn't sit with them, they came up to me at lunch, and in front of everybody, they just threw that shit at me. That's and I was mad like, disrespectful. Yeah, but, you know, how I am, I was just like, oh, okay. So I brought in candy that day and I tried to take it over to them and they just kind of like threw it off the table and everything. And I was just like, oh, all right, Uh, this is my fault. But it was my birthday, you know, so I didn't really know what to do with that. So I was just trying to appease everybody. And you got shit thrown at you twice. Yeah. That's messed up. So later on that day, I ended up talking to one of the girls that I normally sat with at lunch. And she had told me that one of the other girls said that I was trailer park trash. And Over that? Yeah. That's drawing. I mean, in seventh <laughs> grade, yeah, but, yeah. like, that's a lot. So I never forgot that because it affirmed the conclusion that I was making, that I was in the process of making about myself then. Mm-hmm. and That's one of your reference point of experience? Yeah. Yeah. Um, another reference point that like goes with that is that like I have an ongoing battle with materialistic things because of the level of importance it played in my life and the expectation that was put on me to like look, dress, act, achieve and impress other people around me. And that all started when I was that age mm-hmm. because everybody else was doing that as well. Um Have you ever heard of the term, like, keeping up with the Joneses? Yeah. So my parents would always say, like, tell us, like, me and my brother, that we're like, oh, we're we're not keeping up with the Joneses or whatever. But the way that they, I guess, interacted with us to, like, show us that um, they were trying to do better for us than their parents did for them was by getting us materialistic things. Mm-hmm. So that is kind of what I attribute to not being good enough is materialistic things. Mm-hmm. And so I have a very poor relationship with like, just because it is like a designer thing doesn't mean that it's good mm-hmm. or that it's helpful or that it people will like me or anything like that. I have a terrible relationship with materialistic things because of this instance. And so I view from the most part that like my worth comes from how many expensive things I have. (laughs) 
Do you have anything else? Because that is a perfect like segue into my conclusion about others. No, no, no. Go ahead. So my conclusion about others is, well, let's go to that. The second saboteur, he says, is our social conclusions. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) It's how we fundamentally see and interact with other people. And this is based off of interactions with our family, friends, teachers, neighbors, and anyone else we came into contact with during our formative years. And I could say that my conclusion of people is that they are selfish and entitled. Mine is also that people are selfish. And he said, when we view people through the perspective of our conclusions, we are really testing them to see how they measure up to what we have concluded. Do they conform or do they conflict with your conclusion? So I... I would say that I, as soon as I read that and like started writing this out, I'm like, oh yeah, I definitely have a test. And like my internal test is based off of you being a quote unquote good person. So like to begin with, I judge someone based off of how much they give to others. Now that doesn't mean financially, Mm -hmm. like I like the help that they give. It's. I think it'd be, I kind of attributed it to my boundaries issue thing. Cause I'm like, hmm, maybe people don't think like this cause they have boundaries. Yeah. But I'm like, how much are you willing to give of yourself? Like, I think life is about giving more to others mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form you can, whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's a gift or just something thoughtful, like what you can give to others is more important than anything. Mm-hmm. In my eye. Yeah. And like I, th- I feel like that's a realistic reason as to why I do this. I feel like this is something I can give to others. So I know it's hard to – and he even says in the book, he was like, when you first meet people, it's extremely easy to write them off and say that they failed your test and they just confirm your conclusion that you have of other people being selfish. And that lead led me to um, – how vain and materialistic people have always rubbed me the wrong way Mm -hmm. because I'm like, literally (laughs) Abby pointed to herself and shrugged. I'm like, they have always rubbed me the wrong way. And that's based off of the way that like I saw my parents struggle to provide the basic needs of three kids and how much I struggle currently. Mm -hmm. And like people in my school would be walking around. And of course we're all same age. Like, with all this expensive designer stuff on or like now as an adult I see people buying their kids designer shoes like that doesn't really like it doesn't impress me. I'm not impressed and I just think you're bad with money. Yeah. That's my hot take on that. Yeah. But that's just again how I see it because mm-hmm. I had to be respond I felt like I had to be responsible with my money so early and mm-hmm. like Abby clearly can attest to that. Like, I'm very particular about it. Yeah. So, like, I'm not going to – I don't find the value in those things. Yeah. So I was going to say this is how you and I definitely differ in life because mm-hmm. of – not like it's an advantage in a good way, but the materialistic advantage that I had growing up compared to the materialistic advantage that you had. Yeah. I or mean, pri- we'll call it a privilege. Yeah, absolutely. Not an advantage. What is a survivor? <laughs> <laughs> Cause even growing up with my brothers, like there were three of us and we shared one pair of roller skates. 
Yeah. Meanwhile, my friends are like, I just got this new crazy bike or like. But you guys also shared a room, did you not? Yeah. And like, I thought that like, I did not have a lot and I had my own room. I know. We're, and we actually <laughs> talk about that now with Jewel. I'm like, no, like now that baby boys come in, like I want them to have separate rooms. Yeah. Like, I literally went until halfway through high school. Do you want them to have separate rooms because you didn't have them? Yes. Okay. That's exactly why. I also want them to have separate rooms because I had them. Does that make sense? Glad we agree. Shake on it. Contract made. We'll sign it in blood. Thank you, sir. (laughs) (laughs) But like, it's hypocritical of me to say that too, because like I used to want money just to have stuff because I always thought that meant something too. Mm -hmm. Seeing my friends happy with the stuff they had and like constantly getting or like, you know, that's when iPods started coming out. So like, I got this one, the new gen one came out or like my friends that were like, oh, I'm going to the midnight release for this video game. And I'm like, dude, I don't even have that system yet. Mm -hmm. Like I'm still playing a GameCube and y'all are on your Xbox 360. Mm -hmm. Like, but by the time we got all those things and I caught up, it made me appreciate it a lot more. And I'm like, when I see, when I would see people complaining about what they currently do have, I'm like, I don't even have that yet. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, if I see, and like, especially with music nowadays, and everyone complains about it, especially with hip hop culture, like the flex culture, 100K up on the wrist. You know what I could do with 100K right now? It's not going on my wrist. Mm-hmm. Definitely not there. Mm-hmm. But that's because, like, I'm at a different phase in life. If this is what brings you joy, if this is what gets you, you know, to feel better, or if it's just the slice of life that you like, mm-hmm. by all means, indulge in it Mm -hmm. go for it it's just not for me Mm -hmm. but that has led my conclusion to be i think you're selfish because you want all that stuff but then it's also a want for attention i have my own version of a want for attention but i'm not doing it at the expense of thinking that it's owed to me just because i paid for it that's what it is Mm. so like i'm not entitled to that sort of attention just because I bought it. Okay, I see what you mean. Like... Because you wear something like designer or whatever, yeah. that automatically is like, wow, you are so amazing it's and I'm going to It's a status symbol. Yeah, yeah, and like you want people to know that like when they see you with that, it lets them know that you have that money. Or that you're important. Yeah, and I'm like... Are you? That just means you spent like... That just means you spent money. <laughs> yeah, it just means you spent your money. And, like, I, if I could take 100K, I could do a 100,000 different things with it rather mm-hmm. than put one singular watch on my wrist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, if you like it, go for it. But it's just not for me. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Because I also think, since I think that you're selfish for doing all that vain stuff i feel like it'll make me look like that and i don't want people to look at me like that i don't want my conclusion of others to be projected back onto me mm-hmm. that's deep mm-hmm. yeah i'm gonna stop it right there <laughs> um on the flip side of that for my conclusion mine is also that others are selfish but In a completely different way, but also, I guess, kind of similar. So Mm -hmm. because of the privileged lifestyle that I grew up having, um, there was 
an expectation because of all of the sacrifices that my parents had made for me to afford the lifestyle that we were able to have. So they kind of narrowed in on this tough love thing because they didn't have that. Mm -hmm. And they created this lane kind of for me to exist in. And that's fine. But it ensured that I wasn't going to make all of the like ridiculous mistakes that they made Mm -hmm. and that I would check all of these boxes so that I would grow up, it, I guess, maybe with a more narrow passage to success. Right. So my parents had a way that they expected me to live and expected me to do things. But there was also this unspoken expectation of how they wanted me to achieve their expectation. Mm-hmm. They wanted me to do things the way they envisioned me doing it, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So there was an expectation to be met and then an expectation on, on how to achieve that expectation. Uh, yeah, I understand. Okay. So all of that to ensure that I would end up a success story or successful or that I could take care of myself for things like that. The reason that I basically came to the conclusion that I think others are selfish is not because... I am mad at my parents. Like, I'm not mad at them. I understand why they did what they did. But having all of those expectations in this very narrow pathway for me to exist Mm -hmm. felt like I I was supposed to achieve something that they couldn't. Right. And so it was more so about what they wanted than what I wanted. Yeah. That's just how it felt from my perspective. So do you think that they tried to live through you? A little bit, yeah. And your achievements? Yes. So for others, I set my expectations for other people so unreasonably high that they can't, it can't be met. Why? Because that's how I feel on the inside. You feel like your expectation, someone's expectation of you is unrealistically high and you can't meet it. Yeah. So because of, I think, how highly my parents viewed me, I felt like I was always right underneath the mark that they wanted me to meet. Ah. I was like a inch away from it every single time. I was doing it, but not quite there. Yeah. Because there was always like, I, you know, I was a, a B student. When I could have been an A. Ah. Do you know what I mean? The good old B plus. It's like you're not right there, but it's yeah. like, come on. Yeah. So, I understand. So everything was like that. Like I I did sports, but I wasn't starting. Mm. <laughs> I was doing projects and things like that, but I wasn't in the group that got nominated for like to represent the school. Does that make yep. sense? Yep. Everything I did was fantastic. Looking back on it, I'm really proud of all the stuff that I did. But at the time, I wasn't proud of those things because I wasn't meeting the mark, the number one spot. Was it ever actually verbally like told to you that that was the expectation? Or was it just self-imposed? It was self-imposed because of the grades thing. If it wasn't A's, it wasn't A's. Does that make sense? Sure. 
So like if, if you I, ain't first, you're last type of deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Good old exactly. Ricky Bobby. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was told that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was told that a few times. But my point is, is that it was never thoroughly explained to me what the the nuances of the expectation were. It was just like, get the number one spot. Mm-hmm. Be in the number one spot. And I never fully met that. I was always right below it. Mm-hmm. So I do that for myself. I set really high expectations for myself that I can't meet. Mm-hmm. So when I don't meet them, I'm like, oh, it's just how I always am. And then I do it for other people. How does this relate to other people then? You know, when we meet people for the first time and I tell you that first impressions are everything to me. Yeah. Abby has really high standards for when you meet her. Like, and if you leave a bad first impression, like she, she does hold on. Yeah. She holds on to it for a long time. Is that not unreasonable? Yes. And people (laughs) ask why. And then like, it takes like three or four other times for you to chill out. So when people (laughs) fail my expectation test, I write them off, which is simultaneously how I sabotage myself and also hypocritical because I can't meet that either. So do you do it in a way of like lashing out? You're like, if I can't meet it, you won't either. I think I'm just so used to never meeting the expectation that I don't think that anybody should. Do you think I, do I not meet your expectation? Do Am I selfish to you? No, you used, when you and I like first started dating, you didn't meet my expectations, which I was like, fine. Well, duh. (laughs) I I even knew that. But now... (laughs) Now I have to nitpick expectations for you because you meet them. Yeah. And it kind of drives me crazy sometimes on a very like personal and vulnerable level. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You will like meet and or pass my expectations of doing things, especially with what I see on the internet, because like on the internet, it's so normalized now for Mm -hmm. women to be like, my husband doesn't help me with anything. He doesn't partake in the child care and things like that. And you just take initiative of it. And I don't have to ask. And if I do ask you to do something, you do it. And yet with my own conclusion of myself, I still feel like I'm never meeting your expectation. Isn't that the shitty part? Isn't this terrible? You think I'm exceeding. I think I'm below it. Yeah. So you're exceeding my expectations at this point. So I feel like I'm A, being harsher towards my expectations with others, like Mm -hmm. outside of our home. But I'm also having to find reasons to nitpick you not meeting an expectation to the point that it's like, oh, well, you did it this way and it's done and it's great, but you could have done it this way. And I think that's why I'm so judgmental. Mm. <laughs> High five. <laughs> this is the most vulnerable thing I think we've ever talked about. Yeah. From trailer park trash to my expectations <laughs> of people. Jesus. What a transformation. Oh my gosh. We're calling ourselves out for other people. Yeah, this shit is hard. I feel like my perspective probably makes me sound like super pretentious. I was thinking that. When, Beautiful. When you were saying it, I was like, wow, that's a little pretentious. Like, Just because you used vain to describe materialistic things? No, I said vain and materialistic. Oh, okay. I was Because like, we, I'm looking at it from the point of <laughs> buying material things for vanity. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm like, why? Just show up as yourself. Be your like. I look at it from a more wholesome, like naturalistic type of standpoint. I guess you yeah. could try and phrase because I'm like, cool. We have all these things now, and we have the luxury to, you know, express ourselves in these way. Mm-hmm. But like, and this dives deeper into like, oh well, that wasn't. It might be worth a hundred thousand, but it costs this much less, or like. Those Gucci sunglasses are five dollars to make, but you're paying three hundred. I'm like, I just think that's stupid. Yeah, not for you as a person to buy three hundred dollar glasses. I think it's stupid that we we do that. Yeah, like yeah. I just think the whole idea of it is no, 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 and I completely agree. I'm also looking at it from the perspective of like there are people out there that are like. I don't do materialistic things. I read books. I am yeah, this. I see how it comes off as that. Do you know what I, I'm not I saying? I didn't say, I was going to say, I didn't say anything I'll, I'll do to counter it. No, no, no. Look I'm, at us defending and deflecting ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying there are people out there that are like that, that thrive off of the, I am the antithesis of a materialistic yes. person because I'm smart and I'm a, you know, I read books and I'm uh, studious and all of those things. Mm-hmm. That was where my brain went because I was like, oh, I hope you don't go that far. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know when to reel it in because, of course, I still want stuff. Like, Oh, yeah, same. This PS5 I've been waiting for, definitely materialistic. Don't need it. Well, I think I just affirmed that I am materialistic, so I don't even know. I'm still materialistic. I was going to say. I always have been. <laughs> and I support it. I buy you this stuff that, like, it, this is all just a bunch of bullshit that we got to work through. I know. So. Let's get to the last one. I was going to say, the last one, the saboteur of life. So mine is. Your life conclusion, what, how you view life. So my life conclusion is that life is a struggle, life is hard, and I am going to struggle. I agree. Mine is very similar. Mm-hmm. I. What did I say the other day? To, this was a completely unrelated conversation. I think this was about being a parent when I was talking to my friends. I was like, it's a beautiful tragedy. Mm-hmm. Life is a beautiful tragedy. Yeah. Because, like, despite how much I have, like, negative feelings towards vanity, materialistic things, I see so much beauty in the world that other people can find, you know, joy in that stuff and, like, other perspectives, how other people live, laugh, love, and do all that other shit. I'm sorry, I had the default to that. <laughs> but like, it's also a tragedy because of what we do for all these things and mm-hmm. like, uh, of how hard it is. Like, we mm-hmm. just stated working on this shit's hard, but it's beautiful to try and dissect it and figure ourselves out like this. Yeah. So, my life conclusion is that life is a beautiful tragedy. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, or tragically beautiful. Yeah. For me, there's a lot of expectation on, in my own brain, on the success story and that dream life that you're supposed to achieve because uh-huh. I feel caught between this riptide between my own children and my parents mm-hmm. and not wanting either of them to see me struggle in any way, shape, or form. Like, I, as hard as it is to, like, be perfect, I want to be mm-hmm. for no good reason. So the book actually asks, I don't remember what page, but it specifically says, what does that dream life solve? 
Mm -hmm. So for me, when I was like thinking about all of these things, I wrote that for me, my dream life solves being adequate, having met all the expectations of success. I don't worry about materialistic objects because I can obtain them whenever I want. I'm not being looked at as an expectation to be met, nor am I perpetuating that onto others. Hmm. I like that. Very nice job. Thank you. Care to dissect it a little bit more? Yes. Are you able to? Yeah, I can. Um, well, just to give you a second, collect your thoughts. Um, what he had referenced it in the book as, like, as far as the final saboteur. Um, he says, deep down in your subconscious, there resides a life conclusion. Life is hard. Life is complicated. Life is a struggle. Life is too much. And then he says, without even realizing it, your conclusion about life shapes and influences the everyday paths you take and burdens you to live with the consequences. If you've concluded that life is a struggle, you're going to work hard to overcome that struggle with all the positivity or hard work or logical thinking that you can muster, but you'll inadvertently be making sure it stays one too. Just because I know we started the other two with that. We didn't this time. We jumped in. Yeah. So now you can dissect. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the part that I really harped on was for myself when I was writing this, that I'm not being looked at as an expectation to be met. Mm -hmm. That, again, that riptide of my parents and my children, they're not looking at me like you could work harder or you could achieve this thing or you could do that. I could, I can be the end all be all provider uh -huh. type of deal. I can give you an emotional connection. I can give you an opportunity to better your life. I can literally be all of it mm -hmm. for everybody. And that's really hard because you can't be everything for everyone, but mm -hmm. for whatever reason I want, I was just going to say why, but do you I, know yet I or have an idea? We talked about this previously about how I like don't have a very good idea of like what it is to set boundaries. And I kind of just let people ask things of me mm -hmm. as much as they can. Although like there's still a lot that like I depend on with my mom and she helps us out a lot with Jewel. And I want there to be a day where I don't need that, not because I don't want it, but because I want the roles to be reversed. I would rather look at her and be like, what can I do to make your life easier mm. type of thing? Because she has helped me so much. Right. And she genuinely makes my life easier. Mm -hmm. But she also genuinely makes Jules life easier, which is like, is it a reward or is it like a, a I'm trying to pay you back type of thing? Mm-hmm. But I'm literally a human being. I know I'm not going to get it perfect all of the time. But right. this idea of perfectionism in my brain is like it never goes away. Even when I'm being like a stay-at-home mom, I'm trying to do it perfectly. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to like not spend money perfectly. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to parent perfectly. I'm trying to wife perfectly. It's very hard. And does that all stem from... 
the expectation thing yes. you have to deal with. Because I'll literally be like, okay, what do I expect? Mm-hmm. And then I'll take it as far as be like, to be like, what do you expect? But I'm not going to ask you. I'm mm-hmm. just going to guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I was just going to ask like, how do you see yourself sabotaging it yourself with your own expectations? But that's oh, a that's perfect it. example right there. That's it. I create an expectation of what I think you want from me. And then I don't ask you what it no, is. No, I'm talking about for you. Oh, yeah. Like, how do you sabotage your own expectations of yourself? Well, by not doing the things that I intend on doing. Fair enough. I'll be like, I'll go to bed and I'll be like, okay, I'll write in my planner. I'll be like, I'm going to do all of these things. And then I don't do a single one of them. <laughs> and then I get to look in that planner of all the things that I didn't do that I said I was going to do. Mm. And that just helps you confirm all of your conclusions mm-hmm. about yourself, life, and others. Uh-huh. I got a real issue with expectations. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> But the book did ask, what did that dream life solve? I said, mine. What is yours? I only realistically have one sentence for it, but Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the real solution. Okay. Quote, unquote. But it says... It's because you heard mine. You got that (laughs) I said, my dream life solves... Clickety-clack. The bitch is back. (laughs) The peanuts clicking through... It solves my need for financial security. No, that's not it. I know. <laughs> that was the first just like off the top thought. But what does my dream life solve? I mean, wouldn't it just boil back to solving my conclusion of myself about feeling inadequate? That's that's what the basis of mine is. But mine because also- like... My dream life is being able to just be able to give constantly. That's, like that That's also a problem I have. I give from an empty cup, and I complain about it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to recharge, refill, whatever you want to say for a cup, but like <laughs> I don't want to stop giving. It's a problem. It's a blessing. It's a curse. It's whatever. But like that's what my dream life would solve. Mm-hmm. My ability, my ability to be able to provide in every sense of the way, mm-hmm. because of course, when people think of provide, even myself, the first thing that comes to mind is money. Mm-hmm. I never want to have to worry about money again, mm-hmm. and that's how you get roped into pyramid schemes. Mm-hmm. Keep them away from me. <laughs> I've almost fallen for them before. <laughs> I'm like, any get-rich-quick scheme, I'm down for. Mm -hmm. But that's just for the sake of being able to provide financially. Yeah. But, like, I want to be able to provide wisdom, knowledge, like something that is worth more than money Mm -hmm. that will be like, I played a significant role in your life in one way, shape, or form. I think we did talk privately talk about this before Mm -hmm. where you were talking about how like something that's important to you is like leaving a legacy yeah in a way and i was just i remember having that conversation being like i have no idea what you're talking about i don't care what happens to me after i die Mm. (laughs) no i want to i want to leave something 
to be like, you know what, with my time that I did serving on this planet, <laughs> this <laughs> ball of fire that we're floating on, I want to be able to, to provide something. Because, of course, you know, young dreamer over here was like, I'm going to change the world. <laughs> like, but now I'm 25 and I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a lot. I want to sleep. But I've I've seen that the best way to change the world is to start by changing yourself. So you're halfway there. Halfway there. <laughs> We're working on it, but yeah, that's that's my answer to that question. I would agree with the provide thing, not for you, but also for me. That's mm-hmm. where that comes from is I feel like the more that I can give, the more I'll be loved. <laughs> No terrible way to look at it. <laughs> Bro. I told you this like idea of like I want to be everybody's everything is like really. You have a savior complex. But not like that. Not like I'm going to get you out of poverty or things like that. Like <laughs> I mean for like my family. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I want to look at like my mom and be like, thank you for helping me get through college. Here's all of that back. Yes, I understand. Does that make sense? Like, yep. and I want to be able to like look at my brother and be like, "Hey, you are my brother." So here's, <laughs> <laughs> here's these things. There's no good reason for me to want to give so much of what I have to them, mm-hmm. other than the simple fact that like I just genuinely want to take care. Of the people around me. Mm-hmm. And I want them to be proud of me. And I want to be proud of myself. And unfortunately, I view that as a success story. Peanut, man. <laughs> yeah, I view that as a success story. And when I didn't get that after I graduated college, that really, really hurt me. Yeah? Yeah. I could tell. Oh my God, I hate talking about it. <laughs> I really wanted to graduate college and just be like, okay, life's easier. Yup, that's what we were expecting. And it didn't go like that. It got harder. It literally got <laughs> fucking harder. You got a degree and it got harder. I got a degree and then I got pregnant and now life is hard. Mm-hmm. So that's like, it's very disappointing. And so to not be able to have anything to show for that right now is my own problem, realistically, because nobody else is really looking at me like, oh, you're such a disappointment. But you subconsciously do everything to still make yourself feel like you're not good enough. And then you just have other people confirm it because you can't provide Mm -hmm. the way you want to. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially being a stay-at-home mom, you don't provide <coughs> monetarily whatsoever. So the feeling of inadequacy is like, pew, shot through the roof. But then on the other end of the spectrum, because I have to work so much, I'm constantly gone. So I'm fe- my feeling of inadequacy in terms of being able to be with you guys and build the bonds and the relationships between you and Jewel that we talk about and that we want is as well (laughs) so like it's not always greener on the other side oh no 
But I feel like if I just got a job and started going back to work and Jewel went to daycare, I would also feel terrible. I was going to say, that would make life just as hard, if not harder. Yeah. She'd be sick all the time. Neither of us would be home. Yeah. There's like... Everything has its pros and cons, clearly. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say the same thing. Like, there's pros and cons to everything. What you do works for your family. This works for us, because I enjoy being at home with her every single day. Because now I get to be with her every single day. Right. And that's. But that part comes of, at the cost of me not being able to. Yeah. I know, and so I get all of this one-on-one time with her. And then you have to fit it all in like a four hour, five hour. I just work here. Yeah. You get a four hour. I get done with my eight hours and then I clock in for Jewel. Mm-hmm. Every day. Yeah. But it's okay. It makes me appreciate it a lot more. It makes me grateful for everything that I have and everything that I do. And it, I do have my moments of like the breakthrough when I'm not feeling inadequate or, yeah you know i'm looking at others and i'm not like oh you're selfish and all that like yeah and then that's when i'm like life is beautiful like all of my negative conclusions have an opposite in the positive sense as well yeah i was gonna say like after everything that we've said these are all supposed to be like negative conclusions yes. like and everything they were none of them were supposed to be positive yeah however on the flip side of that like I don't think my life is bad. Not at all. And I love our fucking life. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, I absolutely love it. As, fucking... <laughs> as much as we were just like, <laughs> like just dumping all this heavies. No, like it's you and I have such a great support system. Mm-hmm. Like on the flip side of it, like talking about like how much I want to give back to my mom, like. Jewel has a great relationship with my mom and like they Mm -hmm. spend so much time together and I'm like so grateful to have that. Yep. And you and I are able to actually have alone time. We can spend time together. We can go and do things. We can drop our life at the drop of a hat and go on a plane to see our friends get married. I was going to say, we haven't done that in a while, but that was the most recent thing. But we could. Yeah. That's the thing is that we can. We can do those things. We have a lot of support. We have a lot of love. Mm-hmm. And you and I are able to regurgitate all of this terrible stuff because we can look at each other and be like, oh, yeah, like, I don't want to do life with anybody else. Like, yeah. it's the best with you. Yeah. Here's my ugly shit. Here's your ugly shit. Let's get it out the way. <laughs> <laughs> So the end of the book tries to flip all of that negative stuff and not be like, merp, sad. Yeah. Life is crap. And it starts talking about kind of really what the point of all of this was and what like the antithesis of self-sabotage is. And I don't want to entirely give it away because... And then we would have just given away this book for free. Yeah. Go read the book yourself. Do the work yourself. <laughs> this is just an inside look of two people doing the work themselves. Yes. And so the author starts talking about this future-oriented approach. Mm-hmm. And in the book, he talks about how 
almost all of us view life as this like line of progression Mm -hmm. from when you were born to how you grew up and what your childhood was like and then where you are now and then where you are now kind of pushes you into the future. Mm -hmm. And the future-oriented approach is the opposite. It's when you see the future specifically clearly and not in a manifesting way, not Mm -hmm. in like a prayer way, not in like a meditation way. You see a very specific future for yourself and you take the time every single day to chip away at the parts of you that are not that future. Yes. So you're living as if you are in the future mm-hmm. and you are already that thing. You already have that future you want. You already are that occupation that you want to be. And all you're doing is chipping away at the parts of your life that don't coexist with mm-hmm. that future you want to have. And the example that he gave was... Michelangelo creating David mm-hmm. and Michelangelo <clears throat> creating David. He said that he already saw David. He just took away the parts of the block that weren't David. Mm-hmm. And it's ironic that you say that because before I even got to that part of the book mm-hmm. before I, I think I was reading the book, the, 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 the book at this time, but Abby and I were having a pretty profound conversation that was related to this. And it was in terms of like breaking the mold. And I said, what I'm doing right now is more than just breaking the mold. This is chiseling fine marble. Mm -hmm. I dated it to 2422. So just a couple months ago, I was already like subconsciously trying to get on this mindset wavelength, this future oriented approach. Like I already have the perfect idea in my head. I just need to break away everything else around me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's basically all, you know, the work of ending this self-sabotage is like, these are all the parts of us that we're trying to chip away to reveal the fine marble statue of ourselves. Yeah. So basically the book suggests that instead of envisioning yourself as a business owner, a designer, a writer, or whatever goal, like type of future that you want to have, not just an occupation. Um, You just decide to be it and you just start doing it. Do what a writer would do. Like you wake up tomorrow and you are a writer and you're going to do what a writer does. And you remove all of the things from your daily routines or your habits (coughs) that aren't what you want to be, that aren't, that don't align with the future that you're, that you are living. Mm -hmm. So it's basically saying why work towards it, meaning your future, when you can just be your future now and refine the future you want by removing the things that don't align rather than perfectly lining up all of the pieces to then declare, oh, I've achieved it because I lined up all of my ducks in a row. Yep. Um, and then you know, again, declare that you've achieved it when you finally feel you've obtained a certain level of success. Mm -hmm. Because I think so many people just wait until they have all the pieces and they're like, okay, I feel successful. So now I'll, I'll announce when I'm successful. Yeah. And the thing that made me think of 
like the the example in our life that made me think of this was your dragon tattoo. Yep. You're putting me on blast right now. <laughs> You're about to put me on blast. So Juan has this whole arm piece tattoo collage thing. And he got the first part when we started dating. Mm-hmm. And it was a representation of him and his life and his parents. And it was then, a koi fish tattoo. So if you know anything about the story of a koi fish, you'll know exactly what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. And then I got added. And then, no, me and Jewel got added together, right? Yep. I added you guys to the arm. And, you know, another one will get added at some point. But after the me and Jewel got added, there was this long debate that he kept weaning and waving of like, I'm going to get the dragon tattoo. I'm not going to get the dragon tattoo. I'm going to get it. I'm not going to get it. Because you were waiting to feel successful Mm -hmm. in order to feel like you've earned the dragon tattoo. I still kind of feel like that. Not going to lie to you. Yeah. Like, for those of you who don't know the story, just the quick snippet, Koi Fish gets to the top of a waterfall called the Dragon's Gate, or whatever version you're reading, whether it's Chinese, Japanese, and they turn into a dragon. So my tattoo theme idea is to have the final piece of it be the dragon when I felt like I reached a certain level of success. And when I became a full-time dancer, I was like, I can get the tattoo now. But then I was like, nah, it doesn't feel right, can't do it. And then there have been other times where I'm like, you know what? I'm already successful. Let me just do it. I'm like, nah, it doesn't feel right. Can't do it. Mm -hmm. So who knows when it'll be added? Yeah. But if you're here for this part of the story and you see me get it eventually, you'll know that it's finally happened. Yeah. But that's not to overlook the fact that like, yes, you need a degree to be like a lawyer, doctor, teacher, or, uh, you know, other things like that. It's not solely about occupational things. Whatever your desired future is, it's here, it's now, and we can either start living it like we have it, or we can keep hoping for it. That's that part. It definitely sounds easy. I know it's going to be really hard, especially for me and Juan, to change our mindsets on this, but maybe this is exactly what we need to see our lives and our dreams differently, more vibrantly. And feel more free to live out the life that we want, assuming that we already have it. Mm-hmm. So this is the start of something new? Just like they Question say in mark? High School Musical. It's the start. Stop. Stop. You're going to get us <laughs> copyright flagged or something. <laughs> I'll stop there. No, they, these are definitely some ideas we want to try to start implementing into our lives. And, like, of course, it, it'll be hard to be a daily practice, but, like... You know, Abby and I keep each other on our toes and, like, we keep each other aware of it. So, like... And we hold each other accountable. Yeah. If you need help, hit us up at peaceloved.podcast on Instagram. Shameless plug, but, hey, we got to get you there. Talk to us a little bit. But, yeah. um, This was a a really great book. Yeah. Really great book. 10 out of 10. Would recommend. I actually had this book for far longer than I would like to admit before I started reading it. You read it when you were supposed to. I was going to say, everything happens for a reason, divine timing, whatever you want to call it. But anything else you would like to wrap up with after speed reading the book in one day? No. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say. I have so much time to reflect now. (laughs) You've crammed all this information. 
you regurgitated it for this wonderful episode. It took me forever to get this, Mm -hmm. and I've come to all of this conclusions, these conclusions. I will say, like, for my personal conclusions that, like, I, I see my childhood. I can look at it from a distance. I can look at the things that shape me, and... I can see where I am now and where I want to go mm-hmm. more clearly after reading this. And I'm very grateful for all of it, the mm-hmm. good and the bad. I can't change it. I'm I'm grateful for it. But I'm also simultaneously grateful that I don't have the future that I want right this second mm-hmm. prior to reading this book because... I don't think I would appreciate it to the level that I could. Absolutely. If I had not had looked at my own life this way. Yeah. It'll be better. It always will be. It's always going to be better. I'm giving my classic silent Mm -hmm. thumbs up. The silent thumbs up. (laughs) But yeah, there's a lot of work we got to do. We hope we inspired you to take some action. The book, once again, is called Stop Doing That Shit and Self-Sabotage and Demand Your Life Back by Gary John Bishop. And He is the same author that wrote, it's a bright orange book. It's called Unfuck Yourself. Yep. We probably should read that next. Maybe. Add that to the collection. We could. But yeah. That's all we got for you today. Get the book. Go do some work for yourself. See what you can learn about yourself. And if you haven't heard it yet, we hope you have a great day. We love you. Peace, love, and applesauce. Bye. Sweet dreams. Ooh.